That's like my family on Facebook. I'll be talking. I'll call my dad or something. Be like, oh, did you see so and so? And it's like some eighty-year-old woman from church or something. Did you see her Facebook post? And I was like, no, dad, I, I haven't like <laughs> used Facebook in like two years now. I just use it to promote my Twitch streams. Yeah, uh, yeah. My my parents with quarantine now they've gotten bit. Even my dad, who like only created an account so he could play flash games like five or seven years ago is like now really on Facebook and just sharing memes and stuff like that. But he basically did like a a late night screed basically calling for revolution. He's like, how the fuck? Like he's just like, I think the system just needs to get fucking burned down. Like that is like, I've had a fucking enough. Come on, dad. Did you Bane voice him? Welcome to the revolution. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. You know what? Little by little, little by little, like he, he is just waking up to more and more things Uh, and and i see it take the same trajectory that i did like first you know maybe economic issues and then maybe like religious aspects and then like the big one was race like i remember when ferguson happened my dad and i had the most like knock down drag out fight we've ever had my we are we're uh we we debate a lot we disagree a lot but you know it's never been like that it's never been a fight but the it was like the third day of riots in Ferguson after Mike Brown got murdered. And my dad's like, you mean to tell me this little white cop went out and said, I'm going to go kill myself some Edwards. I'm like, no, dad, that's not what I'm telling you. Racism isn't I'm going to go kill black people. It's they perceive black people as greater risks for stupid reasons, for no reason, for no good reason. So he saw a 17-year-old black kid and he saw a fucking giant who's going to rip his head off. And so that's why he emptied a clip into him. And and he's like, oh, you're just so sensitive. And so that conversation, until the day like a year or two ago where my dad's like, man, I just watched the news and I just think it must be really hard to be like a black parent and not know if your kid's going to come home today or not. I'm just like, fuck like 2014 dad wouldn't have said that or wouldn't have realized that like he's making glorious inroads still work to be done we had an interesting conversation about biden the other day Uh, (laughs) and about sexual assault where both him and my mother are just like well we think you're being overly sensitive i'm like that's the trajectory that they're on right now the caliber that you have to deal with when you engage with sociopolitical discussions with them. yeah and and you know the the, the thing is they're, they're 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 listening a lot more and um also my arguments are getting a little bit more refined um as i learn more so we're all helping each other learn and that's part of this beautiful project that i'm now going to introduce hey everybody welcome to hold no heroes today we have a special guest we got my good friend and twitch streamer Matt Acuna. Matt, welcome to the pod. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Yeah, uh, I've been uh, eager to have you on. Um, For the listener, uh, Matt has been, uh, he just made it to Twitch affiliate, uh, which means, uh, what was it, 50 followers? Yeah, it was like 50 followers, um, average of three viewers per stream, and then some like minimum stream requirements, like eight hours or eight days or something like that. It's all yeah. behind me now. I'm not looking back. He's a, an official Twitch streamer now. Like he's on that shit. He's 
doing it. He's been doing um, what are you doing? Like two, three a week, so something far? like that. Yeah, it's pretty unstructured. Um, I was it's funny. I was looking at my uh, like I have so many analytics, you know, and I'm just starting to get into with all of this. And it was like, here's your your average viewership, and it was like the a wireless signal, like we're mm-hmm. small, medium, big, small, medium, big, like on a graph. I was looking at all the small ones and it was all weekend streams. I was like, okay, no more streaming on the weekends. Nobody gives a shit on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. about a Destiny 2 raid. So it's a a lot to wrap my head around. Um, Oh, yeah. I started streaming like last year, two years ago, because it was when I still lived in SoCal. I just like Mm. got into it, gave it a shot or whatever, kind of just dicked around um, and then, you know, came up with one excuse after another to, to not do it and then. Uh, picked it back. I up wouldn't know and... anything about that. <laughs> and then, yeah, three weeks to like a month ago now, I picked it back up and was like, dude, I'm going to do this. And I actually started putting effort into it and made affiliate in like three weeks. And it's amazing what you can do when you set your mind to it. Just yeah. the moral of the story there. <laughs> and for the listener, if you'd like to check out his Twitch, which I highly recommend because uh, his streams are good. Uh, he's uh, uh, Matt has been streaming um, Halo 2 Legendary with the uh, what was it that just released uh, an anniversary or something like that? Some special collection. Yeah. So they've been slowly releasing the entirety of the Master Chief collection on PC. Um, so I've been playing these Halo games since, you know, late 2002, 2003. Um, and Halo 2 came out originally on the original Xbox. Mm. Um, not even a 360 title it came out on the original Xbox in uh, 2004, I think. Yeah, I was a sophomore in high school. <laughs> um, and I remember getting in a fight with my mom on the way home from the school that day. It was November 9th. I remember this very, very well. It was the first video game I'd ever pre-ordered. And uh, I remember getting in a, in a fight with my mom in the car on the way home. She was like, if, if you don't. You know, if you don't calm yourself or whatever, she's like, we're not going to Best Buy to pick up your game. And just, I don't know why that stands out to me, but it's uh, video games are leverage. This is why my son will be allowed to play video games. So I have something to take away from him when he's being mean. <laughs> Which, uh, you, uh, your, your wife is in the other room. She is eight months pregnant. She's due soon. So your, your son is not even just a, a hypothetical right now. He is on his way. He's not. Oh, she's a. Uh, 35 weeks today, actually, is okay. what she's at. So, yeah. But uh, <laughs> they remastered Halo 2 for the Master Chief Collection on Xbox One. I don't have my dates down. Last year sometime, I want to say. Probably actually longer than that ago. And fans have been begging for PC port versions of these games for a long time now. And Reach came out first, followed closely by Halo 1. And Halo 2 just came out on May 12th. Uh, so it's been fun jumping back into that, trying to remember everything from how long ago is 2004, half my life ago. Um, well, that, 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 but it's, that's part of uh, why I wanted you here is uh, Matt is the Halo guy. His username for almost everything has been some form of Spartan. Um, what is it? I don't know. Uh, maybe 114. 114. I yeah, wasn't sure I, if you wanted to share it or not. But no, I actually just changed my xbox live gamer tag to darth mathis yesterday and yes that's his uh twitch handle as well as his twitter handle the darth mathis you know you are the halo guy and i've been having a wonderful time watching you stream halo 2 and um watching you partake in something that is such a uh 
an outlet and a joy for you. You know, the, the, there's definitely uh, an aspect of watching somebody else enjoy something that they just enjoy with their whole heart. And watching you relive Halo 2 uh, has been just amazing. And from my point of view, as somebody who does not know Halo, I played the games recreationally with friends, usually co-op and stuff like that. And I think I did the campaigns, but I couldn't tell you if I finished them or anything. But, um, you know, uh, you make references and stuff like that on your on your stream or even just in casual conversation. And I'm over my head. Just now you listed the games, but I'm like, oh, Reach came before Halo? I thought Halo won, I guess, chronologically. But that that's what I'm getting at is I know so little, Matt. Matthew, help me. <laughs> I am a noob, and I came to you to learn the ways of the Darth Spartan. Um, the Darth yeah. Spartan. <laughs> yeah. You know, the Halo games for me have always been like, they, there's cutscenes, and I pay attention to them. I'm a rather attentive viewer, but um, when it came to the gameplay, I never knew why I was doing anything. Cortana was yelling or something like that, and the other side characters were saying stuff, but I couldn't hear them over the grunts trying to kill me. I was just focused, and it's very good storytelling as far as like game design and everything like that. Like, you know, immersing yourself in a world and making it a lived in experience instead of like cutscene gameplay, cutscene gameplay. Like, you know, uh, it's, it's good game design, but I, I don't know the story very well. Yeah, they do bury a lot of, I don't want to say bury, they insert a lot of the plot into the gameplay. Um, so that, you know, you're running around on the surface of the halo, like and there are lifeboats coming down and, um, you know, a couple scream overhead and Cortana goes, we should go rescue them or whatever. But yeah, if you're like not looking up at that exact moment or, you know, you're trying to find the health pack or ammo or something like you could totally miss it. And then a warthog drops in front of you and a waypoint appears and you're like, what, what, why do I have to go over there? Yeah. I guess I'll follow it. It's a very linear um, gameplay. It has, you know, a little bit of flexibility within each encounter, but it's very much in in a most simplified version run from area to area eliminate all the bad guys you know sometimes flip a toggle switch here or there or something to- which is always where i failed because i wasn't <laughs> hearing what the op- objective was so i'm just like why isn't a cutscene go um like as far as i can go like there's no other room what do you want me to do in here so like watching you play and flipping switch and stuff like that i'm like oh is that what you were supposed to do shit i didn't know that it's that's that's why I never got that far in those games, and that you know that's my uh, failure as a gamer. But I I wanted to talk to you about like what is Halo about, and what is it that draws you? Because you you don't just play it for the games; you enjoy the universe, you appreciate the lore in the same way that I do comic books or the the other shit I get into. And so I. Uh, this is uh, going to be an interesting reversal where I want to come to somebody who knows something I don't and I want to learn about it because I, I see the joy it brings you. And I, uh, I want you to tell me, what is Halo? I know that's probably a big question, I th- but. Yeah, I think the the simplest way to answer that question is to focus on the first game that came out something or somewhere like 2001. Mm-hmm. Uh, and <laughs> Halo is kind of a, it, it was a turning point for me in my, I'll say, career as a gamer because it was one of the first shooting games that I was allowed to play. 
And the workaround for that with my mom was, well, I'm shooting aliens and not people. Mm -hmm. And I was, how old was I? 2001. I was 13 at the time. So I was like kind of starting to become a grown up, you know, like you you think you're, you're hot shit. Like I'm 13. I'm a teenager now. Like, (laughs) yeah, I can do whatever this and this and this. My voice is deeper. Um, So it was, it was kind of, it was a turning point in. Like my, my parents had already said, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to buy you video games. That was a, an interesting rule. I had to buy the GameCube myself. And I remember like saving up the $200 so I could buy the Super Mario Sunshine bundle that <laughs> was the black GameCube and controller and the game. And it came with the game guide. And, you know, that's, that's going back a little bit farther, but it was, it was always Mario or racing or Zelda or something like that. There was, there was no shooting games allowed in in our household. Um, and so, so Halo was the first shooter I really played. And, uh, what's your first taste of blood? Yeah. Well, I'm, I guess so. There's blood in Zelda, I suppose, but it's, uh, it's when the blood lust set in, <laughs> it was downhill ever since, but I played it at a friend of a friend's house. Um, and I remember like starting somewhere. It was like the second or third to the last level. And just and it was on the original Xbox controller. Do you remember those the, the, the big bulky monster? things? Monster. Yeah. Yeah. So like a, as a thirteen year old, my hands barely fit on it, and that was it was my first experience with uh, the dual thumbsticks. I'd never mm-hmm. had you know one direction was move and the other was look, and I just remember trying to lock that in was the the most difficult thing, and and then it was you know it was love at first sight from there. It was just aliens and i it was funny to me because i didn't understand that cortana was an ai that was in your head because you know i i missed that level or whatever so i thought there were two spartans running around in this game and again didn't know there were spartans it's so funny thinking back and one of them was a female because there was a female voice coming through you know from time to time but um so that's that's a little bit of the emotional emotional story there of course history i ended up getting an xbox and buying halo and you know, just soon it was legendary and multiplayer and all that stuff. Uh, used to hold land parties. I'm digressing even further, but no, uh, you're setting the groundwork for your, uh, you know, uh, baptism in fire. Your, uh, <laughs> your, your your halo birth. Yeah, it's been you know five minutes, and obviously something I can talk at length. But let me try to narrow it down to what is Halo. <laughs> the the best way to simplify it is is the plot of the first game is you're on a spaceship and you're running, you're running from these bad guys called the covenant and you make a random jump into slip space, which is like light speed for right. star Wars. What do they call it in star Trek? Um, warp, warp speed, warp speed. Yeah. See, I know nothing about star Trek. We could turn this around and that's <laughs> for another time. Um, and you come across this, this massive alien construct in the middle of space orbiting a planet and it's it's a halo it's a ring and it's artificial completely artificial and it's got metallic and stuff on the outside and there's greens forests and and seas and clouds and atmosphere and everything on the on the inside of it see that was the thing that always tripped me up was that like you know you're on the halo like the levels are like oh it looks like earth or a planet and she's like no like that's on the inside of the ring you're you've let the ring is so big you have landed on this structure with atmosphere and mountains and rivers and lakes and stuff like that that tripped me out i'm like what the fuck you're kidding me 
Yeah, and it's it's so hard to like try and put that scope into words. Let me see if I can just like Wikipedia some actual Halo ring stats because it's something like ten thousand kilometers in diameter, like the ring from from side to side. Mm-hmm. I have um, no frame of reference for it, but if I right. remember correctly, at least like looking at the cinematics, it is. Imagine the Earth had a hat. How big would a hat need to be in order to be for the Earth? That's about yeah. that big. And so I, this is not something I can easily Google, like, while well, I'm still holding a conversation to you, but it's like you, you if you took a, a sliver of the ring out of a planet and then turned it inside out, that's essentially what Halo is. And it's miles and miles across and deep. And there's just, I don't think there's any, any way for us to really comprehend the scope of it. But like you said, it feels like you're on the surface of a planet, mm-hmm. but it's an artificial construct. So anyway, you land on this thing. And, you know, you're, you're trying to get your team together. You, you crash land on it. Everyone on your ship is scattered or dead or whatever. And uh, you come to find out that the ring is a weapon. And you're like, okay, well, the Covenant are trying to control this weapon. We need to get it from them because we've been at war with the Covenant for like 20 or 30 years by the time this game comes okay. around into, the, into the timeline. That was something I was always wondering. I'm like, when did conflict with the Covenant being the alien uh, ho- uh, hodgepodge that you were running from at the beginning of the game. Yeah, they're like a, a religious con- religious conglomerate of uh, several different races of aliens. And um, where was I going? I was going in a couple different directions when I started. You let crash land on the ring and uh, oh, you I remember find out it's a weapon. Yeah, so this takes Halo takes place in the future. The year is uh, 2552, I believe. And I think first contact comes somewhere around uh, like 2525. And uh, I, I'm going to digress into a little bit of lore here. It begins peacefully at first, um, but there's like a miscommunication or something like that. Uh, the the Covenant have this device that is detecting relics on the surface of the planet. And the relics are highly concentrated in like the cities. So they think the humans are hoarding all of these relics and hiding them from them. Um, and all the relics are of some kind of religious significance. Well, turns out and i'm gonna just i'm just gonna blow the halo lore wide open here that the relics that they're seeing on their scanner are the actual humans themselves because the humans were the reclaimers is what they're called the the chosen race by the long extinct aliens that built the halo rings okay this is blowing my mind because i didn't know any of this because I, i i never knew the the origin of the conflict or anything like that i didn't know there was a possible peaceful first interaction for one i thought it was just guns out from the onset but uh so we we are a chosen that humans uh in the fictional universe of halo are a chosen race of the people who created the halos and um the the advanced tech that we're interacting with now right yeah and it's something like those are called the architects right uh forerunners Forerunners, okay. Yeah, the architects are uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, third, third party, imaginary kind of thing that the game, like if you get killed by physics in the game or something, it'll say you were killed by the architects because it. Oh. Um, so yeah, the forerunners were this ancient, ancient, ancient race, and I'm digressing even further from what is Halo. This is this goes tens of thousands of years back. Um, let me let me circle back. Okay, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. No, it's okay. There's like you said, that's why we're doing this. There's so much. I've read so many books and there's so many that I haven't read and 
I've been meaning to fix that. But yeah, um, it was you, the one who ta- told me that there are even books. I didn't know books existed about Halo lore and everything like that. I oh. honestly considered diving into them because of they're what you so told good. me. But they're so good. I they just bring so much extra depth and layers to the game. Um, so you run around. You find out Halo's a weapon. Mm-hmm. Um, you, so you think uh, think it's a weapon. You try to figure out how to use it, and then in your exploration of the ring you discover what's what's known as the flood and the flood is this parasitic kind of hive mind life form that uh takes over your body wipes away your your thoughts and your it basically takes your individuality but it retains all of your memories and information so if Mm -hmm. you are a pilot you know how to fly a ship and the flood takes you over the flood will still know how to pilot the ship and it'll know like what earth is and it'll know like what what stuff is so it retains your knowledge but wipes your your sense of self away basically mm-hmm. um ugh, pin in that for another digression <laughs> path um yeah i always wondered we, like because my understanding uh, and i'm trying not to do digressions i'm trying to help you flesh things out my understanding was it was supposedly the forerunners created halos to fight the flood i yes. think yeah okay. and that and that kind of because Cortana says it, Cortana's that your little AI friend, and that is such an understatement of what she is. Yeah. Um, but she's like, uh, what? You, what in the game you find out about the flood? Uh, you and I'm just I'm dicing this up into tiny digestible pieces. You you Please, find yes. <laughs> you find the key to activate the ring, mm-hmm. and what you're essentially led to believe is that if you activate the ring, it'll kill the flood. You know, yay, great. You come to find out that the ring doesn't kill just the flood. It kills all sentient life. Any organism large enough to be considered like a viable resource for the flood, it it kills everything. Oh, um, that's right. So, you know, some microscopic organisms will, will persist or whatever because the flood can't, you know, necessarily take that over. But uh, so you find this out um, and you're like, okay, well, we obviously can't, let the covenant use this and we can't let the uh the ring itself has its own ai 343 guilty spark fantastic character great great antagonist great character um, that's the ai of the halo and halo one yeah he's the monitor of the installation okay um and he's he's he kind of leads you through the process you okay we're gonna do this and we have to get this and we have to do this um and you, and you essentially activate the ring you take the index and you unify it with the control center and that's the, the process to activate the ring but uh earlier in the story you leave cortana behind and she, and she stops the process and she goes yo you almost just did this and you're like what i didn't know i thought we were stopping the flood she goes no bitch you were gonna kill everyone and you're like what the heck i didn't know that um then the monitor becomes you're a bad guy and all that stuff and you're like well shit we're gonna blow this we're gonna blow this fucker up and so you go back to the ship you crash landed on you overload the fusion reactor and you blow up the ring and that's that's Halo one in like 10 minutes. Okay. Um, I knew pieces of that um, more or less. I didn't know any of the context for it. So it, everything you just said is for context for our interactions with the covenant and our meetings and goings on and everything like that. I didn't know any of that. That's entirely new to me. Yeah. So I could, I could go back. I'm trying to decide how far I can go back. Let's go back to the covenant. Okay. Um, so in the, and this is, so this is one of the, the first reading recommendation I will make is uh, called Contact Harvest. 
and Harvest is the name of the planet where first contact is made with the covenant. And in this book, the the prophets, who are kind of the religious leaders of the covenant, uh, they make the discovery that the humans are the inheritors, the reclaimers of the foreigners, basically. And the the covenant's entire religion is centered around the transcendence of a great journey because the prophets believe that activating all of the halo rings will set the divine wind through the galaxy and propelling the faithful into the next life transcendence I mean, basically the uh the hail bop comet uh cult there's just like oh the comet is coming we're gonna die and go on it and on a great journey into a new life kind of yeah. thing like yeah. that's always Literally. the context i always yeah. like read it in um, and then, so they find out that they aren't the inheritors. You know, they're like, oh, no, we're faithful. We're the, the rightful inheritors. And they find out that they're not and that the humans are. And this is why the covenant wage an all-out genocidal war against humanity instead of, like, the other alien races folding them into the covenant and being like, hey, join us okay. on our religious quest because they find out the truth. And well, that it's our – go ahead. The, the kind of get, touches on a question that I've been wanting to ask, which is – all right, we're talking about religious belief. And my understanding was always that um, the, the, the prophets, the leaders of the covenant, um, are zealots. They take information and they process it through their lens of their theology, um, like our zealots do. And um, so the idea the, – the thing I'm tripping out on is, um, oh, well, actually the humans are the reclaimers. So – the idea that reclaimers are a real thing and as for what they actually are compared to what the prophets think they are like that that's something i keep seeing and maybe that's just the theologian in me as a as a student is seeing like okay we're seeing the prophets react to stimuli and new information and then they're constantly perverting it through their theology and so i'm i'm curious as to like what is a re- the forerunners did the forerunners create reclaimers like intentionally with a purpose and the prophets have discovered this or this is just like hey they they or did the forerunners just kind of like humans so great question richard (laughs) (laughs) that is an excellent segue into basically the million year history of kind of this entire thing so way 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 back many many millennia ago or however I don't remember entirely. Um, And everything I'm about to talk about is part of a a different series of Halo books called the, uh, it's the Forerunner Trilogy, I believe. And this is written in basically the rise and fall of the Forerunner timeline. Okay. Um, And it's, what's the three books? It's Halo, Cryptum, Halo, Silentium, and Halo, I don't remember the third one. Um, um, I believe it's the Halo Supremacy. <laughs> you know, the, the, the Halo Identity, the Halo that's Supremacy. Funny. And- <laughs> You're funny. <laughs> Halo Cryptum, Silentium, and Primordium. Hmm. So, this, so that's a trilogy of books that all take place in the Forerunner franchise. I also got to say, basically. I love the names in the Halo universe. They, 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 they're simplistic, but they're also 
I don't know. I, I I do love the naming convention. The writers for Halo lore. I I, I the names of the ships, the aliens of the different races, the planets. I love it. I I love the way they name things. In and Halo. that's one of the incredible things about the Halo uh, fiction, the novels and everything is there's a lot of different authors like Greg Bear. Um, the Contact Harvest one is uh, Joseph Staten, who was like a lead. He was a lead person. Is he? He was like one of the original founders of Bungie, if I remember correctly, way back in like the the marathon and Oni days. Um, so like he's he's had a hand at writing. Uh, Frank O'Connor, who's also a Bungie employee, has has written some short stuff. Um, who did I say? I said Greg Bear already. Uh, Eric Nyland is another great author. Um, but there's just there's a dozens of Halo books and even some graphic novels out there. Um, and yeah, they, they all, I don't, I wonder what the process is, you know, as a Halo author, do you like take your pitch to the studio and if it's approved, they open the Halo Bible to you? They probably they have that, like some editors and stuff like that. Some editors in chief that's just like, yeah, uh, about continuity. They're like, oh, or masters, right? Yeah. Like, and I would just, that would just be an amazing curtain to peek behind for me. That would just, ah, I would fangirl so hard. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, so, so to answer your question about the humans being chosen. So the humans were once kind of a, a, a sworn at, not sworn enemy, but just like a major enemy of the forerunners and waged a war against the forerunners and almost beat them, um, hundreds of thousands of years ago. And we, we were technologically advanced in, in this timeline, I suppose. Okay. Uh, technologically okay. and genetically very advanced okay. um, and had had spread out all throughout the galaxy, dozens of systems, colonies and stuff. Um, and if I recall correctly, there was there was a tentative, you know, kind of peace. But this is it's so interesting the way it frames this is the forerunners had to make like expansion agreements with the humans because they were expanding too aggressively and too quickly. And uh they just Who like, was the humans or the forerunners? The humans were, yeah. Okay. Because they always wanted more and more space and, mm-hmm. you know, expanding and basically just thinking about themselves and, you know, very interesting uh, mindset considering <laughs> some other things that are happening in the world today. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and the humans continued to violate these pacts. And so the foreigners like, all right, we're going to cut you guys down to size or whatever. And so they waged this like thousands, I think, I could be wrong. Uh, I haven't, you know, I didn't do any fact check prep or anything before this, but they waged this really long war, hunting the humans down from system to system, eventually, you know, confined them down or whatever. And then the foreigners forcibly unevolved the humans. So they, they took their genetic data basically and rewound it to make them inferior again. Um, this gets into some interesting eugenics conversations. Oh yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. Um, this so. was supposed to be one of the fewer political, the lesser political episodes, Matt. <laughs> God damn it! But then you had to open up that fucking Pandora's box. Yeah, the forerunners. Yeah, there's a lot of politics in the forerunner like history, and that's like I couldn't even begin to scratch the surface because I've only read the the forerunner novels a couple times. I haven't even read the the third one yet. I don't own it. Um, and I just started, I just read the first one again over with the intent of like refreshing myself. Cause like you said, it's fascinating stuff to read. Like you said, the, the naming mechanics and that kind of stuff. I just love it. And I, you know, I love this franchise 
and there's just so much to it. Um, so, and there yeah, can the be more. Be That's more. kind of the, the beauty of Halo is that it's not a contained universe. Like you're constantly unraveling more and more and more. It's not, you know, kind of a closed system with sci-fi. That's like, all right, here's everything we know. Whereas Halo is just you're just uncovering more and more and more. Everything you every time you open a door, you just oh, what what the hell's a precursor? Oh shit, what's an oracle? Like it. Oh yeah, bold, we about precursors. Yeah, just bold whole, whole possibilities open. Anything could possibly exist, and so that's kind of one of the things that I find intriguing about Halo. Yeah, um, there's there's talk. The precursors are mentioned in the first book and the precursors rightfully so as they're named uh predate even the forerunners and oh. are like there's some interesting allusions to because i misspoke i meant to say forerunners and i accidentally said precursors because i think that's what they are in mass effect or prometheans no, prometheans no they Proth- protheans protheans that's what it is in mass effect the protheans okay yeah because both of them are about civilizations highly advanced civilizations that existed before thousands of years ago um but we're still benefiting from their technology and so that that's an interesting through line that i've I've picked up on in both pieces yeah so one of the one of the more cryptic things about precursors in the the first forerunner book is like there's one like buried in this they call it a time lock chamber and it's like it's a prisoner it's absolutely a prisoner and they establish a way of communicating with it because forerunners are just vastly technologically advanced mm-hmm. um they they're borderline immortal uh just because of their armor and the way it you know oh, do supplements you, them and and do everything. you interact with any of them in the halo timeline within the games in halo you do oh okay you meet the didact oh there's so much there really and is the librarian so it's a librarian halo 4 i didn't terribly enjoy halo 4 and 5 as much as 1 through 3 reach and odst mm-hmm. um so i'm a little less versed on them but yeah you do eventually accidentally or intentionally whatever uh revive the didact um who for lack of a better term, was a very high-ranking forerunner who I believe... See, there's a didact in the the Halo books, the Cryptum, Mm. and I believe it's it's supposed to be the same didact in the video games. Okay. I've never quite just solidified that connection. Um, But he essentially opposed the creation and distribution of the Halo rings, and his like um, political punishment or whatever was to go into exile basically. And the, the hmm. story of the halo or the halo cryptum book is a young forerunner that basically finds the crypt and brings him back to life at the, at the pr- prophesied time kind of a deal. It's, I, I don't want to delve too much into that. A because well, let's- too much of it and B because I couldn't talk sufficiently enough about it well we, we okay so we've had some fun digressions let me let me rewind back to uh uh, uh where you were uh, originally with the uh, the humans and the forerunners um they rewound our genetic code so how did we end up becoming a favor a favored 
species or people to the forerunners then that the that the the prophets now are envious of like how how in preparation or in case of the halo rings being fired uh the librarian who was a special class of forerunner known as a life life giver okay caretaker life giver i think it's life giver she traveled from system to system planet to planet and gathered samples of species to preserve so that if and when the rings were fired, essentially wiping out all sentient life, she would be able to reseed those populations um, just, you know, to prevent basically mass extinction of Mm -hmm. species. It was a preservation effort. And um, that's a little bit more, um, I suppose, uh, humanitarian effort. I would expect from somebody from a species that's just like, yeah, let's go ahead and wipe everything out. We created a weapon to do that, but you know, we'll go ahead and take two of each species, <laughs> build our yeah. arc. Yeah, and that's that's and that's where a lot of the political discord comes into it because there's a sect of the forerunners that believes that this is the right choice, and you know, then there's some who don't who disagree and believe no, we we shouldn't do this. You're wrong, and here's why. Go for hours on this stuff. I find all of this fascinating. By the way, this is all um, very intriguing. And I think I think what you're led to believe is kind of that the librarian chose the humans as the reclaimers as kind of a middle finger to the forerunner race as a whole. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to select our successor, basically. I'm going to give them the genetic imprint to be the ones to succeed us and overtake the mantle of responsibility. Um, and that's like a whole nother forerunner lore thing is like, the mantle is basically their feel the forerunners theological calling to, I don't, I don't really know. Manage the universe. Manage. Yeah. Yeah. That's as yeah, a exactly. stewards of the, much like in Christianity, humans are seen as stewards of the earth and the uh, forerunner religion. They were stewards of the universe, I suppose. Basically. The yeah, because they were the most advanced, the strongest, the, the smartest, the wisest, they have this thing, I'm going to call it, called the domain. And the domain was basically, <laughs> I'm going to call it cloud storage. Okay. Of Bless their, <laughs> Bless you. That's Megan. It's yeah. basically <laughs> cloud storage of their entire knowledge and history and lore. So like they, any forerunner who had evolved to a specific point could access the domain for information. So they were like enter a meditative state or whatever. And you're like, I need to know this piece. And it was like Googling it, but instead of having it on a computer or whatever, it was just like this psychically psychic mystical connection that they had to this thing, the domain. I don't really know how to describe it because I don't fully understand it myself. Okay. Um, and one of the, the plot spiritual or technological, I just want to, uh, like was it was was it a device that allowed you to do that or is it like a the, the, the spiritual or psychic connection to the database the domain i don't know okay yeah I'm it's curious. interesting yeah it's something i know very little about um and it which is again part of the reason i was like trying to get back into the books um because i i kind of you know have half felt my way through the lore and so sometimes i get to like well wait, I don't, I don't fully understand this. And then it's like, oh, I can't just start the third book in the series. I need to like go back to the beginning and refresh it. Um, mm-hmm. But one of the things that happens in 
as a plot point in Halo Cryptum is the forerunners are losing contact with the domain. Like they're they're reaching for it, kind of like the force, you know, Jedi connection to the force kind of a deal. Right. They're reaching for it. They're trying to like find information or something and it's not there. They can't find it and they don't understand why. And part of that, part of the argument is, well, that's because we've, we've lost the mantle of responsibility because we've done something wrong. And part of the argument is that the halo rings, the creation and utilization of them is what has been done wrong. And that's why you can no longer access the domain. We're being punished because we failed the mantle. Um, yeah, this is, this is what I love about halo. And, uh, it, it, it's, in a lot of sci-fi, religion doesn't enter the picture at all because a lot of sci-fi authors are just like, well, we evolve beyond religion. But the idea that religion is so integral to not only technology or other civilizations or anything like that, that I, 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 I you know, the, the questions I'm asking you are, is it religious or is it real? I, I guess, or is it actual or is it technical? Like, you know, but trying to parse the two is they're linked. They're yeah. inextricably like you don't know if what the prophets or even apparently the forerunners are saying is a given because they're interpreting it through their cultural and religious lens. So, you know, mileage may vary. And that that's fascinating. Cause I thought I thought for sure the forerunners at least knew the answers. They're supposed to be the big bad uh, you know, evolved, advanced race, but it, it sounds like they're making it up as they go along as well, interpreting events and things through their own cultural lens. Yeah. And I think a lot of forerunners like kind of start to figure that out. And you kind of in, in Halo Cryptum, you kind of see this brief shuffling of the guard basically, where these younger forerunners become in charge of the council and essentially put to trial the older forerunners who made <laughs> these terrible decisions. And it's very satisfying to uh, a certain extent. Yeah. Between dark I wish- rises. Yeah, bad guys. (laughs) Kind of, kind of makes you, man. You know, just more and more fiction just makes you more revolutionary (laughs) as time goes on. It's just like, yeah, that sounds like a good idea, huh? (laughs) Those guys are onto something. How can how can we implement that in real life? Uh, Yeah. And there's there's another thing grabbing at me that I wanted to touch on. Oh, sorry. Oh, the flood. Oh, so the flood. Essentially, the forerunners lose the battle to the flood. They, you know, have a lot of ships and resources and stuff, but the flood, through its basically hive mind knowledge and all of the other worlds it's consumed and stuff, just kind of proves to be too much to handle. And that's where this preservation, you know, kind of comes into play of all the other races because the forerunner re- forerunners realize that they're they've lost and that they can no longer fight the flood essentially and. They choose to sacrifice themselves and and destroy all the flood and fire the halo rings. The interesting point is that, you know, tens of thousands of years later, as you're traipsing around the ring yourself, you find flood that was preserved on the rings because in some, you know, twisted way of the mantle, the forerunners sought to also preserve the flood because they're <sighs> species and you know, who are we to play God and decide that they should be completely eradicated. So they were kept to study and, you know, try to learn from. Well, again, with these like four, I mean, it it, it goes along with history and humanity and everything that we know about culture, but you know, the, the, no 
culture is monolithic. They're dissenters and everything like that. But the idea that they're just like, yeah, so we created um, how many Halo? Because in Halo 1, you're just like, oh, there's one big bad Halo. And then in Halo 2, they're just like, there's more? Um, and so on and so on. Uh, how many Halos are there? Because they, they created oh. these weapons of mass destruction that are meant to destroy everything larger than a gopher. Um, like a and yeah anything larger than a tardigrade and they're just like yeah um well we need to save like a little bit of them you know it'd be it'd be the right thing to do it's like what the fuck are you guys thinking where you're just like yeah come on like well how what like liberal bullshit is this where you're just like yeah we're gonna do the evil thing but you know we have to do the good the good pr move and make sure that you know at least the species exists uh in perpetuity (laughs) what the fuck guys come on did we just did we just come on um to answer your question i think the original count is 11 there are 11 rings and in i don't want to call it it's not a schism but in kind of like the chaos of the events of halo cryptum four of them are destroyed um as they try they're trying to like distribute them throughout the system so they can fire them Mm -hmm. and uh they have what's called the portal network and you see one of these in action on, uh, in halo three Okay. Uh, in Africa. There's one discovered. Oh, that's and, right. I think I remember that. Yeah. And they use it to access the arc, which what's the arc, Matt, you know, we'll, we'll get there. Maybe we might not get there. It's been <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and the, the portal network is a, a teleportation construct created by the forerunners and they're they essentially are moving the rings around so these massive 10,000 kilometer wide artificial constructs through this teleportation grid you know a few at a time and the grid essentially fails and i think that destroys a couple of the rings in the process and then they the, overloaded their grid <laughs> yeah they overload their grid and then there's some uh as you said dissenters in the forerunner uh, a sect where they they basically enter into a kind of a civil war and the dissenters the military leaders are attacking the rings to destroy them um before oh i okay mendicant bias what did you call me you son of a bitch i told you that in confidence mendicant bias is a what is it called fortress is it fortress class no, that's a that's a ship. Anyway, he's a he was a monitor similar to three four three Guilty Spark, but which is the AI responsible for the original Halo? Yes, from Halo One. Okay. Yes, Mendicant Bias was essentially created with the sole purpose of combating the Flood. Okay. And through his however long eons long conversations with the flood and the grave mind came to be convinced that the flood were the correct solution to the forerunners and oh essentially, it's an asimov story or just that the ai has <laughs> believes we're the problem okay yes okay and thinks that the correct solution is not to fight the flood but to be assimilated and have the forerunner knowledge preserved etc like become one with the hive mind. Um, Mendicant bias essentially betrays the forerunners. And that's, this is the key part I was missing. He is controlling the rings, positioning them into the main forerunner planets, areas of power 
to essentially annihilate the forerunners so that they stop fighting the flood so the flood can can take over basically okay Um, so yeah very very key plot point in halo one there halo two actually i think even or not halo two um halo cryptum and halo primordium so there's like you said like politics all throughout there's religious intrigue and betrayal and schisms and wow okay there is way more here than i originally thought and i (laughs) knew we wouldn't be able i i knew we wouldn't be able to touch on everything but man like you, you 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 just showed me like how deep this iceberg goes wow how here, here's a, a question I don't know if you'll be able to answer, and it's a it, it might be a short digression. We'll see what the answer is. Do we know how a halo works? Like, how is it? It's a weapon. I I've always just envisioned space magic. that. Okay, space magic. Okay, <laughs> space magic. yeah, it's like Mass Effect. Okay, yeah, because I always just figured it's like you turn it on, and I don't know, energy emanates from it, and from what I remember, it. Yeah, it destroys anything larger than a tardigrade um, um, somehow um, within like the entire system. So the idea of like moving them around and pointing them at anything, I'm like, are these directional? I was always under the impression that these things were bombs, not guns that, you know, there's no real aiming them. They're kind of just they just go off and destroy everything or everything alive. So I, 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 I was I'm surprised by that telling of um Mendelbrick Humperdack um uh that he was guiding them into direction to be aimed at the forerunners yeah well and they have a hold on i just looked this up they have a 25,000 light year effective range in yeah. in a spherical area of effect okay okay so that Still bomb-like, but we're dealing with ranges that I don't know. I don't know how big the Forerunner Empire was or anything like that. So, uh, and I have no friend. You know, we're dealing with distances that basically blow the human mind. Like I have yeah, no frame yeah. of reference for that. Like right. uh, that covers the solar system. Fine. It's big. Uh, it's big. <laughs> um, I have no frame of reference. Here's, so here's here's straight from Halopedia. The method utilized by the array to conduct this mass sterilization protocol involves the superluminal conveyance of a burst of cross-phased supermassive neutrinos tuned to emit a harmonic frequency that destroys the nervous system of any life form within range. Sound. Okay. It emits sound. Organisms lacking a neural system are unaffected. (laughs) All right. All right. So I don't, I understood some of those words, you know, but. It's yeah. It sounds like it, it, it emits a sound that destroys anything with a nervous system. Bless, Bless you. you. <laughs> um, okay. So yeah, we've we've obviously uncovered a lot more than we've dug up and explained. But do you have any other burning questions? Uh so much. But there's, there's so, so there's much. So, there's so <laughs> much because we haven't even touched on like the. Um, the because you know uh the part you're in right now in halo 2 uh the kind of infighting between the brutes and the elites and then you played a cutscene while uh in halo 2 of the uh original interaction between the prophets which i guess are the hierarchs i think is what their like designation is i guess yeah um and their original battle and subjugation of the elites um and i, I, I want to know how like 
I don't know, bugs fit into that? And uh, what are the big, uh, the, the those big honking guys that show up that are just ruin your day? Um, oh, the hunters? Hunters. I couldn't remember what their name. I'm like, they sound big. Like, I remember the name sounding big, but the biggest thing I could remember was Brute. I'm like, no, those are the gorilla guys. But um, yeah, we haven't had to fight the Brutes yet. And they're a pain in the ass on Legendary. Oh, yeah, I, I can only imagine. Though I love brute shots. Those are some of my favorite guns. Fun um, fact about hunters is that they are actually uh, worm colonies. Really? Hive, hive mind worm colonies that basically work together to form a bipedal hulking monstrosity. Um, and when a colony becomes too big to fill one suit of armor they split off to fill another one and they become a bonded pair and it only goes as far as two or does it continue ad infinitum um as far as i know it only goes as far as two okay i've I've not known it in any lore uh to exceed two but i would suppose that in the wild when they're not being slaved to suits of armor that uh yeah they could probably breed uh as much as they wanted to Oh, yeah, there's man, there's just so much here. And, and we haven't even like all of this was pretty much talking about forerunners, aliens, covenant, prophets, their theology, yeah. which is we went, we went way back to the beginning. Yeah. And uh, I anticipated that because that's the stuff that's always like you know, I'm a history student. You know, why are we here and how did we get here is <laughs> questions that always occupy my mind. But all, we hadn't even touched on like the Earth side of things like. The fact that I think everybody we interact with, every character is American, and it seems as though like the entire Earth, or at least what I've seen, is predominantly run by hoorah Marines, um, which is, I don't know, uh, a future that sounds dystopic. Uh, and it looks like it, too, because the only... The, the joke I said when I was telling people that I wanted to do this episode with you was that the only thing I know about Halo, it, besides like the little bits that we uh, I've mentioned thus far, was that the, um, the Spartan program that the created the main protagonist, Master Chief, Spartan 117, um, is a program where they kidnap little kids and then they basically put them through super soldier uh, programs that are uh, torturous and traumatic and the vast majority of them don't survive. So like the, uh, what is it? USNMC? UNMC? It's UNSC, United Naval Space Command. UNSC is basically like everybody's, besides Starship Troopers, the next go-to for space fascism. So it's it, 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 we haven't even touched on that, and we we'll leave it at that. And maybe there'll be a part two because this is this is really cool, and I really I really really enjoyed this. Oh but I yeah, I would love to do this some more. A thought that occurred to me is recording one of these while you're streaming, but I I think you'd have to concentrate, and you're you're, you're going to get tilted while playing. I've seen you play a legendary, and it's brutal if you're not focusing. So oh, last night was bad. I that level was just brutal. It looked hard. It looked. Like that's why I started looking up guides for you and started sending you <laughs> help in the I chat. Doubled my game long death count in one level. Yeah, uh, uh, for the listeners, uh, Matt has a uh, death counter that go- every time he dies, he adds it, and uh, he has an audio cue that he. The joke was the uh, you know one death ah ah ah, and so I recorded uh, uh, a count von count ah 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 for him to play every time he adds one to the death counter. <laughs> 
Yep. <laughs> and you're, uh, let's see, you ended last night's stream with what, 170? Like yeah. So, it, you know, uh, it's legendary. It's, you, you've been doing pretty good. I think level one, you did 10 deaths. Level two, you did 20. Is it 20? Or 30 or something I like that. I think it was 30. And then I think you went back down for level three. But yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun watching you. And it's really just piqued my interest. I love sci-fi. Nerd shit. This is what the podcast is essentially about. Half of it, at least. And um, so watching you uh, play and talk about Halo has really just kind of excited me to like want to learn more about this world. It's the same thing that... Um, Tanya got me into Star Trek, where it's just like, hey, you really seem to like this thing, and it sounds interesting, so would share it with me if you'd like. And God bless all of you. you you've all been willing to, to share your toys with me, and it's been a lot of fun learning about it and playing with it. Well, like you said, it's, it's fun to share your passions with someone who shows a genuine interest in them and not who's just, you know, patronizing you or anything. And, <laughs> and you know, I've known you long enough thankfully that I know you're the the type of person who, who doesn't patronize and that this is the kind of stuff you're interested in. And so I think that'll, uh, it'll definitely have to be a thing where you and I play through these campaigns together. I'm excited. So much fun. That'd be cool. That would be really cool. I'm excited for Halo three to hit the master chief collection because we can do four player campaigns. Mm -hmm. Um, So we'll have to convince some people to buy the game or whatever, but uh, (laughs) yeah, you know, I, it is. It's worth it anyway. You can buy the individual games of the collection. I think for ten bucks. Okay. Uh, but yeah, okay. I mean, in the meantime, might... I'll I'll keep streaming, and I hope you keep hanging out because uh, I love having you there and your support. I appreciate it so much. And oh, it's been so much fun. It's been so much fun watching you stream. I <clears> really <throat> enjoyed watching the journey of you as a Twitch streamer, but also of you uh, going through uh, something you love and reliving it. Your gift of bits as I cleared that level. I was saving was, it. I was waiting for it. Yeah. Was just like my vision for the entire for for the channel. Like that's <laughs> that is the pinnacle of like viewer participation. Like you just did something awesome. Here's a handful of bits for being awesome. And like it it just it timed in as the cinematic started and that was really special, and I appreciate that. So thank of you. Of course. I'm so happy I get to support you in your endeavor, and I'm so happy you got to come over here on Hold No Heroes. And uh, we'll definitely have to do this again. I'm really uh, – I had a lot of fun doing this. Yeah, and- I think I could easily fill three or four more hours of this. <laughs> I mean, I we barely scratched the surface. Darth Mathis, Matt Acuna, thank you so much. Um, is uh, Would you like to plug your Twitch channel? Uh, yeah, come follow me, Darth Mathis. Um, I tweet a lot about like when I'm going live, that's the Darth Mathis because someone else has Darth Mathis on Twitter. Um, but yeah, just come hang out, throw a follow, uh, grab a beer. And I uh, just actually introduced some new channel points rewards that we were talking about the other night. Um, so now you can make me do push ups and sit ups or dab or, <laughs> uh, choose the weapon or make me drink or something like that. So that's a lot of fun. I'm really excited about some of those things for options for people to, to participate. So Fantastic. Yeah, come hang out. It's very casual. It's chill. Um, yeah. Thanks for having me. Uh, thank you so much for being here, Matt. I really appreciate it. Heroes. I will see you next time. Bye.